Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. In our last episode, we look at Psalm 111. And, you know, when I read through the Psalms, as I make my way through the Psalms, I'm marking things. I'm, I've got a pen, I've got a red pen, and I circle words that resonate with me. I circle words that are repeated. I underline phrases that resonate with me. And because I'm trying to spend time worshiping God, I want to use the Psalms the way the Psalms have been intended by the Holy Spirit and used by God's people for 3,000 years. I want to worship God through his word. And when you think about it, it really is amazing to think the God that created this universe, the I am, he is, Yahweh, the God that created this universe has not remained silent, even though we've been in our sin, reject him, don't really care. God has done something by his Holy Spirit to wake us up in our heart, to draw us to him, and he has also spoken to us in his word. It really is an amazing thing to think that I can talk to my creator. I can talk to the creator of this universe, and he has given me his word to believe and to trust and to cling to, to look at with my eyes, to listen to as I speak it, to say it with my mouth. The question is, do I I want to? Do I want to draw near to God with the word that he has given me to feed my soul, to awaken my heart, to draw me closer to him, to feed my faith, to help me trust in him? And as we've said before, this is poetry, and poetry is mainly appealing to the imagination. It's giving us not just prose, like these are propositional truths, but it's using poetry to appeal to our imagination and our emotion. So I want to use the Psalms to activate my imagination. And Psalm 111 has a lot of words that help me paint a picture of the I am, that help me see God with the eyes of my heart. Because that's what I want to do when I worship God through Scripture. When I worship God through His Word, I'm wanting His Word to activate something in my heart, activate something in my soul. So I look down at my Bible here, and I see in verse 1, that verse, praise the Lord. That's that Hebrew word, hallelujah. So hallelujah, praise be, Yah is short for Yahweh. Praise be Yahweh. I will give thanks to Yahweh with my whole heart. That's verse 1. Now, in my Bible, I have circled the Lord in all caps because I want to remember this is the Hebrew name for God, the I am. It's literally the Hebrew verb for he is. And I want to keep that name of God that's the simplest and most profound revelation of God and anywhere you can find. I want to keep that in my imagination. I am speaking to the I am. I am speaking to the one who is the source of all existence, and he is the giver and author of all life, and he inhabits eternity, and he is 100% with me present right now. The I am is always in the present tense. He's in my present moment right now, present with me 100% without being any less present anywhere else. I know if you've been listening to this podcast, I repeat that phrase, and I actually repeat it to myself because it's an amazing thing to keep in my mind. 
I am speaking to the God of this universe, the God that created this entire universe, who is with me 100%, not just a little bit, but fully. And he's listening to me. He's watching me. He is present with me. That is one truth we see repeated over and over again, especially in the poetic worship literature of Scripture. God promising that he is with us. And so there's that phrase here in verse 1, Praise Yahweh. I will give thanks to Yahweh with my whole heart. And right away I'm thinking in my imagination of my heart, my whole heart being devoted to giving thanks to the I am, to giving thanks to He is, to giving thanks to the God that created this universe who has spoken to me in His Word, and He has, by His Holy Spirit, opened my mind to some degree that I'm coming to Him right now through His Word to meet with Him, to draw near to Him. With my whole heart is a phrase that I want to keep in my mind with my whole heart, all of me, everything, my whole being, all of my longings, all of my desires, all of my fears, all of my emotions being devoted and directed right now to the I am, to God, who is my creator and present with me right now, to give thanks to him with my whole heart, to praise him, to worship him, So when I pray through scripture, I'm just trying to find a few moments here to worship God and to let his word bring my heart alive, my soul alive, my spirit alive in right worship of God, starting my day perhaps or ending my day whenever you're reading the scriptures to worship God with my whole heart, to give thanks to him, to praise him. Now, it also says in the last part of verse one, in the company of the upright, In the congregation. Now, here's the thing is that we have always been designed by God to be communal creatures. God is a communal being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We've been created in His image. And and we have to have this communal aspect to our relationship with God. To draw near to God communally is part of what it means to give praise to him, to worship him, to be a part of his people. We're not just created to be alone with God. We are created to become a new people, a new community centered around Christ. So I think we have to see in the Psalms here, and we see it all kinds of places, that part of right worship is right worship with God's people, that we influence each other, that we help each other, that we draw one another closer to God. And that's what this psalm is saying in the very first verse, that part of this is to be in the company of the upright, in the congregation, those who congregate, those who collect together to worship God. This is just part of the life-giving practice of congregational worship. What that means is when you go to church and there is singing and there is scripture reading and responsive reading, that, you know, it's easy to sit there passively and watch. And that's fine sometimes. I mean, that God can use that. But I think it's far more powerful and life-giving when we learn to get in the habit of what the Scriptures are constantly calling us to do, and that is to participate, 
Together with the people that are there, we sing praise to God. Together with the people there with our mouth, we respond to the readings. We read the scriptures together. We sing the songs together, and we are worshiping God. And in that, God is using us to influence other people. And the filmmaker, the director of the film, came to our worship service to speak briefly. And he and I were standing there in the front as the song before he was getting up to sing was being sung by the congregation, played on stage, sung by the congregation. And his head was on a swivel looking back and forth. He was so amazed and moved to hear everyone there singing. And he just looked at me with his bright eyes and says, you are a singing people. It made an impact on him. And I think, you know, I I think he looked at it from a filmmaker. This is a social phenomenon. But I think it also is a part of what it means that we influence each other. We influence ourselves and we influence one another when we sing together, when we engage in worshiping God together. That's what this psalm is saying in verse 1. But I'm coming back to Psalm 111 in this episode, even though we talked about it in the last episode, because it's an example of what I do personally in my life. I come back to a psalm again after I've read it the day before. I come back to it, and I want it to sink in a little more. And I look at the words I've underlined. I look at the words that I've circled. I'm looking for repetition. And this psalm, if you read in your little uh, textual note, whether you have the NIV or the ESV or whatever, there's a little note that says this psalm is an, a Hebrew acrostic. Each line, after it says hallelujah, each line of the Hebrew poem starts with the next consecutive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, that was done a lot of times in the psalms because it helps memorization. People just didn't have their own Bibles. They had to memorize the psalms as they gathered in the synagogue. They memorized the psalms and they would say it to themselves and pray it without having to have a copy in front of them because the acrostic, the alphabet, would allow them to memorize it. This is one of the reasons why Jesus was able to just speak the Psalms in dialogue with people, and people could keep up with him. And sometimes he would say one verse, and his main point was the unspoken next verse, and the people that knew the unspoken next verse from memory would get the point. But in being an acrostic, it also shows us that the psalmist here has taken great effort to arrange the words specifically, symbolically throughout the psalm. So repetition is going to mean something here. It always means something in the scriptures. But in this psalm, we see three words that are repeated five times. They're the most repeated words in the psalm. And that's the words Yahweh, works, and forever. Yahweh's works forever. All three of those words are repeated exactly five times in this psalm. I don't know if there's a significance to the number five, but there is a significance to they're all repeated the same a number of times, and they're the most repeated in this psalm. And when the Bible talks about God's works, most of the time it's talking about his creation, the creation of the universe, the creation of the world, creation of life, creation of us. But it's also talking about his works of redemption and salvation. And that's what's going on in this psalm. It's both God's creation and his salvation and redemption. We talked about that in the last episode. But what I want to point out in this episode is just as you're going through this psalm and you're activating your imagination, you're activating your thoughts of worshiping God through his word. If you just repeat those repeated words The I am, the Lord, 
his works forever. The I am, the works of God, the works of the Lord, the works of Yahweh, the works of he is, are forever. His creation, his redemption, his salvation. The I am has worked. The I am has brought salvation. The I am has created and his works are forever. Right there, just those three repeated words gives you a lot to think about, to meditate on, to emphasize in your imagination. As you think of worshiping God and drawing near to him, thinking of the I am and his works of creation that are forever, his works of redemption that are sure and forever, his works of salvation that are forever. Because the I am is forever. He inhabits eternity. So now I want to look over my underlined or circled words or whatever, because there are words here in this psalm that really activate my imagination. The words in verse 3, full of splendor and majesty. Those words mean transcendence and beauty and wonder and glory. Splendor and majesty are the works of God's creation, the works of his redemption, the works of his salvation. God is full of splendor and transcendence and majesty and radiance and beauty and glory forever. The works of God are brought into this story of glory and beauty and transcendence forever because God is glory and beauty and transcendence and splendor and majesty who inhabits eternity. Verse 4, the Lord Yahweh is gracious and merciful. And I'm thinking about those words, gracious and merciful. And I'm thinking about myself before God that created this universe who is holy and righteous. I'm thinking of verse 3, full of splendor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. And then the next verse, the Lord is gracious and merciful. I need his grace and I need his mercy. I depend upon his grace. I depend upon his mercy. His grace and his mercy are my lifeline. There is never a moment when I am not utterly dependent upon his grace and his mercy. And his works are forever because of his grace and his mercy when he could have shut the whole thing down because of human sin. And I'm looking at these words, and I'm using my imagination to think of God as gracious and merciful, full of splendor and majesty and righteousness, and yet he's gracious and he's merciful. Verse 7, and we looked at this in the last episode, but I want to say it again. The works of his hands are faithful and just All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever. And this is no doubt what the Apostle John has in mind in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. There's the same phrase. To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That God is faithful and just to his covenant. That's what it says in the next verse. He has commanded his covenant forever. He is faithful and and righteous to his covenant and his works of redemption and salvation and creation. And so I can trust in God's grace and his mercy. I can trust that he is faithful and just to his covenant, that he is trustworthy forever and ever, it says in verse 8. 
He remembers his covenant forever, it says in verse 5. This is my confidence, his covenant, his works that are forever, his grace, his mercy, his faithfulness, his trustworthiness, his eternal work of redemption, verse 9. And so it says, holy and awesome is his name, the I am, the I am, he is, is holy and awesome. In my heart, I'm thinking of God as holy and awesome and full of splendor and majesty and glory and beauty and transcendence and faithfulness and righteousness and trustworthiness. He is eternal. He fills and inhabits eternity. And he is holy and he is awesome in beauty and glory and radiance, splendor, and majesty. And as I'm thinking about this and meditating on these words, something's happening in my heart. My heart is being softened. My heart is being focused. My mind is being renewed. My soul is coming alive. And these moments of worshiping God through scripture are breathing God's spiritual life into me. It's like he's breathing into my nostrils the breath of life that we read in Genesis 2. And so the last verse says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you hear that phrase, the fear of the Lord, it's not talking about hiding. It's talking about just being filled with awe. It just got through saying, holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord, the awe of his glory and splendor and majesty, the awe of thinking of the God that created this entire universe, the awe of thinking of the God who inhabits eternity, who's the giver of all life, the awe of thinking of the God who is the source of all that exists, and that he is present everywhere without being absent anywhere. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice it have a good understanding. And then here's the last phrase of the psalm. His praise endures forever. There's that fifth time for forever. His praise endures forever. I think the Apostle Paul has Psalm 111 in his mind when he writes in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, For from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That's the fear of the Lord. That's the fear of the I am, the fear of he is. That's this reverent awe and worship in his holiness and splendor and majesty and glory. For from him and to him and through him are all things. Everything has its existence because of him, through him, from him, for him, to him. To him be the glory forever and ever. When we worship God, we're coming into this story of forever, the works of God that are forever. And so when I get this psalm out and I see these words, I'm just praying through this and I'm thinking about it and I'm praying it and I'm just saying, I praise you, Yahweh. I give thanks to you with my whole heart, with all my heart, I worship you. With all my heart, I give thanks to you. For you have spoken to me and you speak to me in your word. I pray that you would open my mind to help me understand your scriptures, that you would enliven my heart and my soul and my spirit to hear your voice, 
to understand your word. I give thanks to you that you have spoken to me in your word and given me your word and that your works are eternal. They are forever. And I worship you in your splendor and your majesty. I worship you in your righteousness, clothed with the righteousness of Christ, because your splendor and your majesty and your righteousness endure forever because you are forever and your works are forever. Your works of creation, your works of creating me and you created me to live forever in your forever story, in your forever salvation, in your forever redemption because you are gracious and merciful and I depend upon your grace every millisecond of my day and your mercy without your mercy I would become nothing but dust. But instead, you bring redemption forever in my life through Christ. You are trustworthy and you are faithful and you are just to what Christ has done on the cross for me and his resurrection giving me the forever of my own story. Holy and awesome are your name, O Lord. Your glory and your majesty and your beauty and your radiance, and your splendor. For from you, and to you, and through you are all things, all things, including everything in my life. To you be the glory forever, that I would give praise to you and glory to you forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.